We're going to continue our discussion. This isn't a sermon. This is only timely Bible advice. With regard to biblical planning, this is already late February. In a couple months, we're going to be graduating, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Louise, about 13 four-year graduates and the same number of certificate, 12 certificate. Okay, so that's quite a bit. And I would imagine if I were to say, what are you going to do afterwards? I'd probably get a whole lot. I have no idea. <laughs> and then in addition to that, and sometimes combined with that, I'm, I'm seeing some, some glazy eyes and some snorting and drooling and hand-holding. And <laughs> I guess that's called relationships coming together. <laughs> that's a pretty big deal. Huh, Seth? Well, let's pray for Tia right now. <laughs> so, what I've got, if you've been here a time or two before, from the 15th chapter of Romans, we just, I think, we get a glimpse of how the Apostle Paul put a plan together. I would be the last to suggest that This is the final word on discerning God's will for your life. I'm not convinced the Bible writes at that level. But it probably wouldn't hurt to get a clue on how evidently the Apostle Paul put a plan together. And and that would, if nothing else, that makes a, a reasonably good starting point, it seems to me. We haven't prayed yet. So, hey, would you bow with me, please, and let's pray. Lord, it is so uh, amazing to us, as Ryan mentioned earlier, to imagine what you have done by your Spirit and through the cross of Jesus, uh, that you have created the body of Christ and you are advancing the kingdom of God and you have used us, every one of us in this room. You know us by name. Father, would you make this time together in some measure profitable? for the furtherance of your kingdom, for the glory of Christ. Lord, that's our, that's our desire, and so we'll surrender our time to you with that in mind, with that hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, all this is, I've got eight questions, and I, don't even, I think we're not very far along. We're going to try to go a little faster on these, because by the time I finish, some of you will be retiring uh, at the rate that we're going. Eight questions, and no one of them, as I review them and think them through and apply them to my own life and experience, no single question is necessarily the whole story, but they do kind of add up. Questions that we need to be very very honest, brutally so, as we ask and answer them of ourselves, trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what's next? What might I anticipate? How might I make a wise decision here relative to your uh, design on my life? Just a very quick review. The first question, and this is all from Romans 15, uh, the first question is, is where am I now? And honestly identifying my spiritual position. And if I don't have a clue, if I, if I don't even know if I'm a Christian, or if I'm pretty sure I'm a Christian, but I'm not all excited about being a Christian, I don't have anything going in ministry, which I think is big, then that's the place to start. Where am I now? And um, that's question one. Question two is, does the Bible have anything to say about my plan? Assuming that there is one. There should be 
normally I can't imagine that there would be a Bible verse propositionally directed toward your given individual situation for here in the 21st century. That would be a stretch. But in all likelihood, there are, there, there's going to be biblical principle that touches down where each of us is right now. And if, if the biblical principle is, hey, I've got this option to marry this person, I'm a Christian, she isn't, hey, there's a biblical principle there. If you don't know what it is, well, then you weren't paying attention during Ryan's family development class. Um, and he will happily answer it. So there's going to be a principle connected. And this is where if you need help, if you're wondering about a dilemma, this door, this whatever, um, does, does the Bible speak to this at all? And you don't know, ask somebody. My goodness, Gail knows all that stuff. And... Uh, he can at least get you started, and, and a number of others would be happy to weigh in if it would be helpful. Uh, the third question that I want to ask is, what are the current conditions? What are the circumstances I'm currently facing? Because I have to deal with them. What are my current pressing obligations? What is the hand I've been dealt for now? And i Recall narrowing these down to two basic conditions. I call them closed doors and open doors. Is that one open? Is that one closed? And we go from there. So I want to pick it up now with question four, everybody's favorite question. It suggests itself from Romans 15 if we look at verse 23. Now, if you recall, the Apostle Paul is trying, he's planning to get to visit the church in Rome. That's where he wants to go. And so he's, this, has all been leading, this is all leading up to his intent to visit Rome. And he says in um, verse 22, he says, I've often been hindered from coming to you, but now with no further place for me in this region, circumstances, you see these doors are closing. He moves on to question four. He doesn't know that. I'm throwing that in. He moves on to question four in uh, verse 23. But now, since I have had for many years a longing to come to you. And this is our favorite question. What do I want? Isn't that great? The, the, what do I want? What's the desire of my heart? Now this... This one plays naturally to our flesh and brain, correct? What do I want to do? But it is a factor. It, it, it isn't likely that God is going to direct us in, an, in a direction simply for the purpose of making us miserable. That would not seem to be consistent with his revealed character. But it is a fair question. It's an honest question. Doesn't Psalm 37, 4 say something about delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart? Does that mean he will give you what your heart wants? Does, it, does that mean he will put that desire in your heart? That could possibly be argued either way. But in any event, he has something to do with the desire of a person's heart. I remember a friend of mine, well, sort of a friend, uh, years ago, just, oh, I got to have a Harley. I got to have a Harley, and someday, Lord willing, I'll have a Harley. Guess what? The Lord was willing 
Funny how that works, isn't it? I'm not talking about that necessarily. He's saying, he's saying, for many years, I've had a longing to come and see you. I've, I've wanted to. This has been a personal desire of mine, but it's been that way for many years. And so there's, there's a sense in which we can, we can say, hey, the, the apostle then has been prioritizing. He's wanted this for a long time, but other things have been more important. And he's been willing to forego the desire of his heart, if you will, in deference to those matters which he considered more important. And that would obviously be uh, ministry issues that he's already discussed. It's a, it's a fair question. But it's also a question that can't be answered standing alone. Please do not make a plan, particularly a significant plan, based on this question alone. What does Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six say? Does anybody know something about it is a fool who trusts in his own heart? That's kind of like the negative side of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not. On your own understanding, this is like leaning on your own understanding. Trusting in your own understanding. Ah, that's a rather dangerous game. I um, have had more than one Christian person, in my experience, say something like, boy, I'm really agonizing over whether to stay in this marriage. Now, brothers and sisters, by the time it gets to that level, the stakes are unspeakably high. I'm just praying about whether to stay in this marriage. Because after all, I'm miserable, and God wants me happy, doesn't he? Wow. And, and we may smile and think, that oh, that'll never happen, but look out. That's a very serious, very serious trap. That's why this question is best not answered alone. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and he will direct your paths, and he will not forsake. I think the the safest way to, I, I think, to weigh in on this particular question, what do I want? Speaking vocationally, primarily, what are you good at? And that's, that's what you're going to want. I've known more than one person as well who said, you know, I think my parents wanted me to pursue this, or, well, I had this, a scholarship to this particular school to study this. I really wasn't into it. Well, if we're really not into it, it's not likely to generate long-term happiness, sense of fulfillment. How has God wired you? What do you like to do? What are you good at doing? And that's where, that's where I would encourage you to begin looking for direction. What do I want? Any comments? I can happily take a comment. Nerea one, did I exhaust the topic? At least everyone's satisfaction. Okay, next question. So what do I want? And then verse 24. Let me read the verse. In Romans 15, 24, Paul says, Whenever I go to Spain, 
Now, keep in mind that, that, that Rome is between where he is and Spain. So he's going to go to Spain. I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a little while. So, hey, I'm going to go to Spain. Why is Paul going to Spain then? Why, why do you think Paul wants to go to Spain? To see the bullfights? What else? <laughs> to evangelize. Sure, that Spain is Tarshish North. Spain is like the end of the civilized world. Paul understood that he's the missionary. What did you call missionaries now, Scott? Uh, minister, something partners? Yeah, what was that other expression you used? Uh, outreach partners, please. Okay, well, sing it this way. Be an outreach partner every day. Come on, that doesn't work. Missionary. Yeah, anyway, where was I? Paul is going to Spain because that's his biblical mandate to go. That's the overriding issue. On my way there, he's saying, I'm going to stop and see you guys. I'm not just going to stop and see you guys. I expect something from you. I expect my stop to be worthwhile. The question is, with regard to my plan, how is it practical? What good does it do? Huh? Is this a silly detour? Is this just silliness? Do I have the luxury of that level of time and expense just to be frivolous? And I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think Paul thought so. I have to um, uh, dip into true confessions here, if you don't mind being my corporate priest. There was a time long ago in a land far away, a place called Portland. (laughs) When I was a student at Western Seminary, these were great days in a certain respect because, well, Mary worked full time. I worked at UPS and I got the GI Bill. And we had no kids. This was long, you know, this was before Joel, before Kyle, before James, before kids. We had no kids. So what did we have? Seriously. Honestly, I had more money then than I've ever had. We just, we went out to dinner every Friday night, and, and, and we just watched that bank account keep growing. My school bill was paid. We're getting full-time income. UPS pays well, double covered on health insurance, and the GI Bill's still trickling in from my rich uncle. Um, <laughs> so I, I would do most of my study at my dining room table, and the sliding glass door out onto the little stoop looked across the way into the neighbor's yard, and the neighbors had not one, but two Camaros. Now, one of them was, uh, had several colors and stripes and goofy stuff and foof, and I didn't care for that one. But the other one was like a solid gold color, and it was trick. And so I'm like David, sitting there on my balcony, <laughs> looking out across the way and seeing this sweet 
Camaro. It was a 77, the model. And so I'm thinking to myself, I want that. Not that. I want me one. And so guess what? I find myself looking in the classifieds. After all, everybody needs wheels. I mean, you got to have transportation. And, and I'm sure that whatever it was I had been driving was subpar. <laughs> and so I'm scanning the classifieds, and I find out in Aurora there is some guy selling a Camaro. It's, an eight, it's a 76. This wasn't even 86 yet. So this was a 76 Camaro, new paint, new tires, new wheels. Everything's gone through a must-see. So the next available Saturday, I will never forget going out to see this Camaro. And Mary and I went out there, and it was everything I had hoped it would be. The paint was, it was candy apple red with metallic in it. It was a, a golden interior, and it had beautiful big mag wheels, and the tires were knee-deep in rubber, and it was a gorgeous car. I had to drive it. That's, of course, what you do. I had my checkbook, too. So I Mary get in the passenger side. I get in the driver's side. I scoot the seat back. I make my adjustments. I turn that thing on. And there was a small problem. I didn't fit in the car. I couldn't sit in the car without my head pushing against the ceiling. I adjusted it. It wasn't going to work. Brothers and sisters, I paid 2500 bucks for that car. I bought it anyway. I kept it about a month, and it had to go. I was, by the mercy of God, I was able to get $2,500 for it. It was such a nice car that I didn't fit in. I couldn't drive it very far without being really uncomfortable, so I only took it to school, to the seminary, <laughs> where all of these, where all these below-the-poverty-line students are driving old Datsuns and stuff, and... <laughs> And some of the faculty, and so here I come in, and I, you know, there's something kind of wrong with this picture. <laughs> My advice, don't do that. Anything but practical was that decision. Um, don't do that. There are, I know a couple guys who went to Europe. Let me share this with you. One of them went as a civilian and really had no, just kind of wanted to see Europe. Save some money from working a high-paying job over the summer. Shouldered his backpack in the September of that year. Flew to Europe and ended up, I want to go to Switzerland. What's at Switzerland? No, not what's at Switzerland. Who's at Switzerland? In those days, Francis Schaeffer was in Switzerland at Waymo. And so this individual, I got to go there. I'm a Christian, and it's cool, and I'm going. He got there, and they said, why are you here? He had no idea. He had no idea. And he said, I was very embarrassed. Because after all that expense and all that time, and people who go there, if you're not familiar with, with Labrie Institute and so forth, you go there because you've, you've got a reason to be there. It's not just something you kind of stop in. 
but he just kind of stopped in. So they gave him a few things to do for a week and sent him on his way. I know another guy who went to Europe. He went to Europe on orders. What does it mean to be on orders? That means, yeah, he's military. Actually, actually a, a naval officer. And he took a position in France that would hurt his career, and he knew it. It was sort of not, not a fast track you know, to, a, to an admiral job at all. And I said, why are you doing it? You know what he said? He said, because I am convinced God wants me there as a missionary, and the U.S. government's going to pay for it. <laughs> what a difference. What a difference. He's going to do it, but his concern is less than frivolous. It's a practical concern. And he's still, he's now a missionary on the other side of the world, um, still in the Navy. How is it practical? How might this plan honor the God who made and who saved me? How is it practical? Well, my next question is really a good one. But I don't think I have time to get all the way through it. So if you want to know God's will for your life, you're just going to have to come back when I cover the next question or two or three. Because, um, yeah, let's pray. Lord, these are dear brothers and sisters. And you have, you have such an investment in each one, in Christ and in all that you've poured in. So I pray for them, Father, that their steps, as they follow them on into the future, that their steps would be ordered by you in a very deliberate and conscious way on their part, that each would follow you and seek to honor you and know your blessing. God, thank you that no matter what we do, no matter if we trip and fall, we get distracted, or, or what we know that you don't play games, and we know that the everlasting arms are always underneath, and we know that the blood of Jesus in our behalf stands. Thank you for being wonderful, and thank you for your mercy to us. In Jesus' name, amen.